Hello! I know I'm interrupting, but before this podcast, 3CR has an important public service announcement. Currently, we are running our annual Radiothon, where we ask for your donations to keep community broadcasting alive. We rely on your support to keep media alternative. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, I hope you enjoy your show. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, this is Annie for Showreel, and today we're going to be talking to a couple of people who are involved in a film called Morning Star. No, it's not about... West Papua. It's actually about uh, the uh, song lines of uh, Indigenous people in Arnhem Land, which is quite fascinating. Uh, but uh, I'll, I won't actually uh, go into the elements of the conversation that I had with uh, the filmmaker and the producer, producer Kathy Cole, and the uh, filmmaker Ben Strunen. But uh, I'll let them do the talking. But before we go to this, we have to remind you that Radiothon is on at 3CR. If you want to be part of making sure that uh, people-powered radio continues and that you can reliably hear Showreel every week, then put your money into the coffers and call Showreel one of your places of money donation. Uh, let's hear from the station. The 3CR Radiothon is here. And this year, we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019. June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. That's right, it is Radiothon. So as I said, if you want to uh, donate, you can ring up on the the uh, day that we have our Radiothon program, which for Showreel will be next Thursday. Uh, you can ring the station then. You can do it any time from now on, and uh, you can also do it online. So uh, be aware that uh, we're looking for donations now. But... Uh, one of the reasons for why you tune into a show like Showreel is that you're going to hear an interview with the filmmaker and the producer of a film called Morning Star. So uh, we'll get on with that right now. That's uh, Ben Strunen and uh, Kathy Cole. 
Thanks very much for coming into the studio. We've got uh, Kathy Cole, who's the producer of Morningstar, and Ben Strunen, who is the director, the filmmaker of a film. It's not been made yet. We it, have begun. We you have begun. So tell the audience what this is all about, this highly exciting adventure that you're beginning. So uh, about 10 years ago, I began making a film called West Wind with a very important Indigenous elder from Arnhem Land called Jalu Guruwiwi. He is the custodian of a special kind of yadaki, which is better known as a didgeridoo. And um, he's kind of known internationally as, as Mr. Didgeridoo. And so initially I was invited to make a film about his tour of Europe back in 2009. And that kind of unraveled into a, an eight-year-long production that, that culminated in a film called West Wind. And really, it's a film about Jalu trying to pass on the world's oldest musical tradition to the next generations of, of young youth, most specifically his sons. And, and they all come from Arnhem Land. Yeah, so these guys are uh, from the Galpu clan, which is part of the Yongle nation, which is about 20 clans in northeast Arnhem Land. How did you get involved? How, how did you get to... Did they find you or did you find them? Uh, it was a really convoluted path, uh, some kind of uh, act of destiny. But um, initially I was making a film with a different clan in a different area, a place called Owen Pelly. And I was up there uh, working on a film about rock art, hanging out with some, some different elders, teaching me about art. I come from a, a kind of art background. And... Um, on those travels, I randomly met uh, an English didgeridoo collector and I was actually living in East London at the time and it turned out that this guy ran Europe's only didgeridoo gallery and his gallery was two tube stops away from me. So I'd gone to this really, really remote place in Arnhem Land to learn about rock art and then I met a guy who lives next to me in London and he's obsessed with didgeridoos and to be honest, I knew nothing about didgeridoos at the time. And I was there more to work on an art film rather than a music-based film. And went back to London and didn't think much of it, but I'd given this guy uh, my number and he called me and he said, Ben, I've met my spiritual custodian, a guy I've been having visions of. He is basically the master of the instrument that I'm obsessed with and I'm bringing him to Europe and I want you to make a documentary about it. Goodness, and this was all purely by chance. How did you Very learn much. filmmaking? I studied studied at Swinburne. I went to uh, did visual arts, new media, and I uh, got obsessed. I actually went in as a painter, and I got obsessed with film. And I had a great film lecturer who was also actually from London who taught me all about experimental filmmaking, learned on 16mm on Bolex cameras. And, um, and then I went to RMIT. It's kind of the advent. So I'll jump in here. You're yeah. obviously not interested in narrative film per se. I am. You are? I Tell am. Me. That wasn't really my... I mean, I, I suppose I've always been a bit of a cinephile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the, when you talk about Bolex and all that, it throws me back to the 1980s when I used to live in a house with a girl who went to Rusden and they were all into this stuff. And they, you, her big thing was to go and use um, uh, Instamatic cameras as she watched things move and so she'd get mm -hmm. these images of moving things. So what you're saying is that you're interested in time and space as well as narrative? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was really obsessed with stop motion and time lapse. Yeah. 
And um, I was also alert on, on negatives where uh, kind of emulating people like, I don't know if you know, Stan Brackage, you know, scratching into yeah, the negative. Yeah, that's what I was getting, that's paint. what they were doing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was really fun for me. It was more tactile. And because I was coming from a painting background, it seemed relevant. But then also at the same time, I was obsessed with skateboarding. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, I'm not the best skater. All my mates were much better skaters than me, so I was like the designated filmmaker. So I'd film them skateboarding, yeah. then edit the skate films together. So I know they they all kind of came together. But in a way, it does come to be able to deal with a story of this magnitude, in a sense, because it's a it's a certain level of ego, but it's also about uh, the um, uh, place of music and timelines and storylines, which is what you were actually asked to discover in your filmmaking, really, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, over such a long period of time, uh, I was making other films along the, on the side, developing my filmmaking skills and getting more into narrative-based work. And I'd, I was making lots of short documentaries on the side, so this was my first uh, foray into really long-form uh, filmmaking and and I I'd already been working a lot with musicians and music and the importance of music and song, but this was a huge learning curve for me in learning the importance of Indigenous songlines and the information that they carry, the knowledge that's encoded into them. This was not a world that I was familiar with, but I had experienced it in a in a parallel fashion in my investigations into Indigenous uh, painting and the way that those paintings transmit knowledge. So how did Kathy, Kathy, how did you get involved in this? Because once a film is going to be made and we're talking about, well, West Wind was about a person doing a, uh, being brought across to Europe to travel around and you're making a documentary about this. Mm -hmm. This new film, which is, as you told me, is the sequel. Yes. Morning Star. You're making a, a. You need money to be able to do this, and you're the producer. Mm-hmm. So tell me how you came in. I came in. Um, me and Ben met on an, a separate project. Um, we were filming a, a, a music video for um, a Melbourne artist called Angel, and um, we uh, hit it off. And um, and he needed help um, with applying for like government grants and things like that, and just kind of, you know, uh, developed from there. And so now I'm kind of in charge of. The movie, getting yep. the movie made. So, because <laughs> um, uh, Screen Australia is putting some money in here, we are, are applying for um, all different kinds of uh, government grants. Screen Australia, Film Victoria, um, and and other um, financial avenues as well. Um, so you're talking about the strategy of coming up with. Uh, money, yeah, finance, yeah. and um, we've just recently um, been accepted by the Documentary Australia Foundation. They're a fiscal partner, which means that um, they provide a kind of a, um, a tax umbrella for us, so that we can um, reach out to uh, private foundations and accept tax deductible donations, which is wonderful. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR.
the 3CR Radiothon is here. And this year, we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019. June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. Hmm. I think we should get this invention, which sucks up all of the rubbish in the world and puts it in an intergalactic dimension. 2040 is the latest film by award-winning director Damon Camo and shows us a possible future we could have if we take on board all the best practice options available now to change our planet. Join the Out of the Blue team for a special fundraising screening of 2040 on Thursday 20 June at the Nova Cinema in Carlton. To book tickets, Google 2040 Out of the Blue Radiothon Movie Fundraiser or find the event on our Facebook page on facebook.com slash outoftheblue. Come along to Cinema Nova with the Out of the Blue team for a drink, a fantastic documentary and help raise funds for Radiothon 2019. Thursday 20 June, 8pm at the Nova Cinema in Carlton. Please note, saving the world is not guaranteed. But having a great night is... Everywhere you look, you will see incredible reasons for hope. You're on 3CR and uh, you're with Annie on Showreel and we're featuring a program around a film called Morning Star that's going to be made. The filmmaker is Ben Strunen and we've also got the producer of the film, Kathy Cole, in the studio. So let's get back to the story behind yeah. Morning Star. Yes. How did that happen? You'd finished West Wind. Yeah. What happened? Uh, well, the first film, West Wind, was named after a very important Galpu clan songline, which Jalu, Jalu named that film. And the West Wind is a sound that comes out of his particular yidaki, that particular instrument. Then we premiered the film at Melbourne International Film Festival. Uh, everyone came down from Arnhem Land here. And oh, very exciting. Yeah, we were all staying together. It was, it was an awesome night. Sold out, red carpet. Jalu was getting interviewed by the t- tele stations. And everyone, it was a, it was a good, uh, it's just a very good vibe. Uh, standing ovations for Jalu and the family. And so the next day I said to Jalu and his son Larry, I was like, what, what did you think of the film? And they said, Garamala, we're going to Garamala. I said, but Garamala is a special sacred place we wanted to go in the first film, but we didn't. I said, yeah, but we didn't go to Garamala. They said, you know, for the sequel, we're going to make another film and we're going to Garamala. <laughs> and, uh, and recently we've been kind of co-writing the story for almost two years now. And in January, I went to Arnhem Land to visit the guys, and I said, okay, what are we going to call it? And Jalu and Larry said, let's call it Morningstar, which is uh, in Yongamata, it's Banambir. It's a very important songline for the Galpu clan, and it's basically a song related to Venus, seeing the stars, and in relation to the land. And uh, so, yeah, this, this film should stem from another songline that follows on from Westwind, now it's Morningstar. The importance of uh, songlines, can you talk to that? Yeah, music has... Uh, I mean, and we've got to remember that we're n- neither, none, of, none of us in the studio are actually uh, Aboriginal people. Yes. And uh, so this is a sharing that's going on, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of information in songlines that is difficult 
to decode, but there's a lot of very, very important information encoded into those song lines. Like 60,000 plus years of knowledge is in those song lines. And, you know, I grew up in, the, in this Western paradigm of not really understanding how that kind of information can be encoded into a song line, and I'm just getting my head around it now. So Jali's a great teacher, Larry's a great teacher, these are the custodians of the song lines. And I think that they want to use this film to, to show the outsiders, the Ballander, uh, they want to disseminate this information and show how important song lines are, how you can sing. They say, we're singing the land. I'm sure that you've heard that before. But they said they literally sing the land so it can be a topographical fun- function where you sing actual uh, elements of the land. You can sing a map, but you can sing the spirits of the land and you can sing all kinds of layers of knowledge in a song line. And, and slowly more of that information is being decoded for me and they're teaching me more and more about this. And, and I suppose my job is to transmit that information through, through the medium of film. So um, you said you've been working on the script for two years. Mm-hmm. Explain how that happens because a film, how long is this film going to be, do you think? I know it's going to be on one level, it's going to chart the journey of uh, the music people going to Europe on a tour. Yes. Now that's a plain, simple actually complicated thing to get across to people so that it continues to be interesting, right? But there's something else going on there too. You must have to think about what are the nodes of information that are important. So how long is this film going to be? We're aiming for a feature with a probably 60-minute cut down. Cool, okay. Ultimately. Ultimately, That would would be our ideal. Yeah. Um, Look, Jalo and Larry have always said this sound, these song lines have the power to heal. They can heal the land, they can heal people, they can connect people. And to be honest, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you unless they transmitted that healing sound to me. And so I think the film is about amplifying that sound. And in the first film, it was really a father-son story about Jalu healing Larry out of a depression to take on the song lines. Uh. Now Larry's stepping up to the plate. So this is an extension of his personal journey, his personal narrative. He has a really amazing character arc. And it's and the, I suppose the jeopardy of the film is like can can he take it on? Can he become the new custodian? Can he really step up to the plate and transmit this culture to the world? It's a mission that that Jalu is setting for Larry because Jalu is really too old and frail to travel anymore, the way he has been for the past few decades. And so it's uh, yeah continuing Jalu's legacy. Now it's becoming hopefully Larry's legacy with his. So he's taking two of his brothers around Europe, and they're going to sing traditional song lines and share those with the world in all kinds of different world music festivals and working with different bands and different cultures and showing how sound and song lines can kind of transcend cultural barriers and bring people together and, uh, you know, contribute to a process of healing between people. Which parts of Europe are they intending to go to? So we've got gigs booked in England, uh, Wales, the Czech Republic and France. The world's largest didgeridoo festival is actually in France. And, oh, how bizarre. And the world's acknowledged as one of the world's best non-Indigenous players of the didgeridoo. A guy called Andre is in Prague. And so he's facilitated a few gigs for us there. Goodness me. Yeah, They're also playing at WOMAD UK and also Elementary Festival, which is um, a, a world music festival in um, England. And um, and then they'll also be um, doing some um, private um, or more intimate um, performances in Wales and in Prague. How, how does um, the rest of the world view uh, these performances? These this how does it happen? What do, I mean, I know that this is what we're going to discover in the movie, mm-hmm. which is what the movie is really about, isn't it? 
uh, how it how it feels to uh, to the people there. I mean, in Australia, uh, th- uh, there is less respect than there should be for the original inhabitants. I I don't think I'm drawing a long bow there, uh, no. <laughs> uh, but quite clearly, this is not shared with. Uh, in other places in the world? Well, actually, um, there's massive didgeridoo organisations around the world. So some of the biggest didgeridoo audiences or players, um, groups of players, are in France, Germany, England, America. Even, I mean, really unlikely places like the Czech Republic. Even I know people in Hungary and Estonia and other parts of Eastern Europe who play didgeridoo. And And there's a commonality, isn't there? Because in the sense that uh, uh, Aboriginal languages and uh, their music and the whole range of things, in a a sense, a lot of people don't have the right listening ears for what it is actually that they're doing. Would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think there's probably less cultural or political baggage overseas. People are less scared to engage or to ask questions. Um, And that's kind of liberating, I think. It's interesting to watch, say, West Wind in different parts of the world and see how people react. The line of questioning in Australia is completely different to England, for example. To explain that, go on. Um, I think there's, <clears throat> shall we say, a lot of political concerns here about what's right and wrong, and I think sometimes there's barriers set up that can withhold information from being disseminated, whereas in England I think it's a, maybe a more pragmatic approach to, to what's happening in the film and just analysing the story of the film without all the other baggage that's associated. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. Uh, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping to be able to get in the in the filming? I mean, how long is it going to take you to film this? How long is the tour? The tour is a month. It's a month. We also have to go to Arnhem Land because uh, the, the, the story starts in Arnhem Land and Jalu wants to show us some sacred places at the beginning of Songlines and the birthplaces of, of the Yudaki sound to show at the core that this is all stemming from from the origins, from the true origins of the instrument, and then sharing the true origins of that sound with the world and showing them the, the authenticity of that sound and what it can achieve and what it can transmit to people so that we understand in, in context of where the sound's coming from, what knowledge it's carrying, and how it can heal people. So, when you so th- actually, that is the script. That's the, the structure. Yeah, and then he, he's giving this sound to Larry, to carry, to yeah. be a new ambassador for the yeah. clan and to carry that sound to the world and amplify it to the world. And he's you know, saying the analogy in the film that Jalo has used is he wants Larry to rise and shine like the morning star and show the people across the world the true healing power of this sound. You've got a lot of support from local... Uh, we're sitting in uh, Fitzroy in Melbourne and uh, you've had a lot of support from local artists around this film, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, the creative community around here especially has been unbelievably supportive and uh, really galvanised behind the project. I think everyone knows how difficult it is to get a film funded and to get it off the ground. So a lot of artists here are, are contributing work uh, in a massive exhibition we're going to be putting on in, on June the 7th at Utra Gallery on, on Smith Street. And um, the, the list is getting bigger by the day. I think there's about 20 artists involved now. Uh, so there's an auction in a sense. Is it going to be well, an auction? There'll or be um, yeah. artwork for sale. Um, we'll be um, putting them on our website, um, available for pre-sale, and then they'll be on display at Utre 
um, between June the 7th and June the 11th. And, um, and yeah, so we've got some great artists involved, um, like Ghost Patrol and Roan and Street Artist Discreet. Um, who else? There's so many. Carl- There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carla McRae, Adnate, um, all these people, a lot of these people are involved in the first film as well and carrying on their support. Now there's more people coming on board. Uh, Macatron, Megs. It's okay. We won't. We won't. Like, uh, but there, but, but you know, yeah. basically, yeah. But, uh, but obviously, lots of people are involved in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're really keen for this to to this message to be made. Uh, obviously, you also want other people to involve themselves in uh, supporting the film financially. What what? How how can people help with this project? They can go to www.documentaryaustraliafoundation.com. Um, and look up the movie Morningstar. There is a Donate Now button, um, and that uh, donation is a tax-deductible donation which will go to uh, towards the making of the film. Um, if, um, you know, if a tax deduction isn't quite the selling point, we do uh, sell merchandise as well on our website, which is www.morningstardocumentary.com. It's kind of interesting because, as I said to you, Ben, that uh, Morningstar confused me in a sense because we have a connection to the uh, West Palpians. Uh, we've got a West Palpian program here uh, and their fight for liberation, effectively. Uh, and their flag is uh, called the Morningstar. But mm-hmm. you pointed out to me that actually the Morningstar, uh, and as we've seen with uh, West Palpians and local uh, First Nations people, that uh, there is a very strong bond. And that obviously is a, a deep cultural bond because of the natural world around them. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the morning star is important in a lot of Indigenous astrological charts because it's the brightest star in the sky, the brightest planet in the sky. And it appears as both the morning star and the evening star at different times of the year. Venus is a really interesting planet for all kinds of reasons. And so lots of people sing about it or have special ceremonies associated with with Venus. And the Yongle people, when they sing about Venus, they sing about the fact that there's actually a cosmological trail of stardust that, that you can see in the night sky that exists between Venus and the sun. And they sing about how the sun and the Venus pull themselves around the planet oh, goodness. Via, with that string. Oh, great science. Yeah. Yeah, great science. And, and it was very refined science. And I think, you know, it kind of points to the fact that, you know, we, we've lost touch not only with the, with the planet because of, you know, this veneer of concrete uh, between us and the earth, but also the night sky. We can't see the night sky no. half the time in Melbourne. But when you go up to Arnhem Land, you can see all those stars very clearly. Mm. Well, we'll be looking forward to seeing this uh, film when you make it. And uh, also uh, people have the chance to go and see and buy f- by some of these lovely uh, contributed contributions from the artists and also to uh, put chip in, put a little bit of money towards the Morningstar film, go online. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks for your support. Thank you for having us. The 3CR Radiothon is here. And this year we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. 
Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019. June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. That's it for Showreel today. Don't forget our Radiothon program is on next week, next Thursday. You can ring up now and donate if you want. But uh, in lieu of that, you can stick around and listen to Published or Not. Enjoy listening to that podcast? Here at 3CR, we're a community radio station, and you're part of that. Right now is Radiothon, when we ask our community to pitch in with a few dollars that can help keep media in the hands of our community. This year, we need to raise $250,000 to keep the station on air. Any amount that you can afford makes a big difference. And it's really easy to donate. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your support is greatly appreciated and helps us power radical podcasts for yet another year. Thanks, as always, for listening.